Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And we want to give a big shout-out to our newest patron supporter, Killer Turnus. Thank you so much for signing up and giving us some support. We appreciate that so much. And guys, if we sound a little different... A little better... Yes, a little clearer. That is because we are recording on a completely new sound setup. Thank you, patrons. Absolutely. Thank you, patrons. All the patrons support so much was able to be able to get us uh, to be able to buy some new mics, some new cords. And a big thank you to uh, my parents, Mama and Papa D, <laughs> for buying us the soundboard uh, for our podcast. We appreciate that so so much, guys. We actually, God, Vic, we, we, I now feel like we're actually like a legit podcast now that we're actually recording on like some, some actual professional equipment. Okay, guys, let, let me paint you a picture here. Before this, what, what it was, was the two of us sitting in lawn chairs gathered around a single Yeti mic trying to both talk into it. Now we each have our own mic. They're professional mics. They're on professional stands with these big weights on the end. We have this weird device over here that, like, gathers up all the noise, and eventually we're going to be able to put in sound effects and other stuff like that. <laughs> you even left off the part where we were, like, huddled in your basement when we first oh, yeah. started doing oh, yeah. this, when, too. When we first started, it was just the two of us on a couch trying to talk into the computer's microphone. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out how all of this stuff worked using copywritten music. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we learned not to do that real quick. Oh, yeah. And now we've come we've come so far now, finally being able to actually like record on something professional. And, again, we could not have done any of this without all of the support that you guys have given us along the way. So it means the absolute world to us. We said at the very beginning, nobody loves their fans more than us. And that is still 100% true. Big hearts guys, big, super, super hearts. Um, so I thought that we could begin by going over all the comments again from our previous episode. If you guys didn't check out our last episode, uh, we've kicked off the whole month where we're talking about, government parent like paranormal government projects and we began the month with talking about project sign the united states is like first official you guys can't see the air quotes but you heard my voice official <laughs> ufo investigation project uh and it was a great video and i highly suggest that you guys go back and check out that awesome episode here we go laughing fox patron then raised concerns over the secrecy of phenomenon, likely from the Russians, and it was turned over to Grudge while they were delved deeper into what was going on and what could be gained. <clears throat> also, when are y'all going to address the time-traveling human as aliens during the abduction theory I threw out? I was looking forward to that. Yes, I have the same handle on here as this Patreon. <laughs> yeah, me and Vic are actually good friends of Laughing Fox in real life, and we know this is. Um... Yeah, you know, I, I think it could be either or. I think that it could be an instance when you look at Project Sign of what what one hand doesn't know, what the other is doing. Uh, there's a lot of compartmentalization when it comes to the United States military. A lot of times, not every single branch of the military knows uh, what the other is doing. A little bit later in the month, when we really delve into like Project Stargate, 
uh, that's going to become pretty apparent when you want when you see like a lot of the different uh, branches of the military kind of pretty much starting over from scratch whenever they really get into um, trying to use uh, psychics for their experimentation. And you really hit the two main ideas I'm stuck between as well. <laughs> My mind went to the exact same place, so you're, you're at least among good company on that struggle. I, th- I thought we did address his question last uh, time. Did we, we did. We'll, we'll make sure that we go back and do it again. I, I got the original comment up here. We'll go back and talk about your comment. That's no problem. Like I always said, you guys can always leave negative comments because we will absolutely respond to those. All those. Uh, so he's talking about like his comment from on uh, on uh, hybrid uh, hybrid theory and uh, alien abduction. Uh, what your comment was was assuming you're correcting the assumption that they are near human and effed. Sorry, because we're on the main part. <laughs> the idea of future humanity traveling back in time to try to unlock themselves. Does the idea of uh, humans traveling back in time to unlock themselves enter your mind? It could account for quite a few things. The bizarre nature of hybrids and men in black. I've read about this time in history from very old records. Their fascination with small mechanical devices. Imagine ten, uh, getting your hands on the original I can never pronounce this old like Greek clock thing. It's like Antikythera mechanism. Antikythera. Okay, now I'm second guessing myself on yeah. pronunciation. Yes, it's essentially that that Greek device that nobody knows exactly how it works. The secretive nature of their operations, trying not to undo the future that causes them to come about, and therefore creating a paradox. Uh, I haven't done nearly enough research to this to see if it really holds much water, as it might. As the first, and I'll be the first to admit, it makes pretty huge assumptions as to both the possibility of time travel as well as how it operates. But I'd be surprised if someone smarter than me hadn't put forth this theory before. I, I have heard this theory before, and I think that it makes more sense than them being extraterrestrials from another, like, far-off solar system. I have thought, actually, a lot about this one. I think it's a possibility, but it's very... It's one of those ones that... There's so many assumptions and so many things outside of our current grasp of science involved in it that it's really hard to go very far in a personal theory on it. But no, I'm with you. I've entertained this this thought many times. Well, it's also difficult when you're thinking about the concept of time travel and how do we perceive the concept of time. You know, like time works differently in different parts of the cosmos. So imagine, say, like us traveling back on time on Earth, we might not have necessarily traveled back in time from Jupiter. <laughs> like if we were over there, like if that's how we're like thinking of time with like how gravity actually affects time. But I do think that it is quite possible that we will one day unlock, we'll either figure out if it's possible or not, because we are at a point where we know that time is manipulatable to an extent by using speed. So I think that if we continue along those lines, we will either figure out how to do it or figure out why it's impossible or not feasible. I think it's I think it's easier for me to wrap my head around the idea that it's some sort of like secret high tech group of humans that already exist on Earth. Like if you link, if you think back to some of our what we did like mythological cities, are these like are there these cities of like superhumans that are existing like in remote places like around the world and things like that? That I th- to me it makes. Uh, more sense that something like that likely could be going on than necessarily of us seeing like somebody traveling back in time. Actually, I like the theory of the ancient civilization version more, but I don't think it's more likely. I think both of these theories <laughs> are <laughs> equally 
valid things to throw out. It's but easier both for me. Of to... them have like big problems with being able to establish any sort of like truth to them. Okay, I watched that movie Interstellar at least three times, and I have absolutely. I'm still trying to grip my mind around the concept of time and on how that works. Like, so that's why I'm kind of like leaning more towards like it's in, it's in human cities. Like I heard a physicist once say, I really wish I could remember his name. It's I'm pretty sure it was the older Asian guy with the long white hair. I just can't recall his name offhand. And I believe it was him who said that we could probably travel through time, but it's an infeasibility because it would take a power source, the size of a sun. But at the same time, we're always Power and how to utilize it is saying that humans are always engaged in. That what's required now, based on how we know how it works, is does not mean that's how it's always going to be. There might be a situation where we'll figure out how to power something like this. So I heard a physicist say something uh, once, but I really didn't understand it. So, oh yeah, that's most <laughs> like, okay. I like physics. I like talking physics. I will sometimes track down people who know a lot about it just to have conversations about it. Because as much as I enjoy it, I, there are a lot of things in physics I personally struggle with and do not understand. Uh, have you seen a lot of physicists and like and like what happens to them once they seem to wrap their minds around these concepts? And actually, it's kind of quite similar to people in the paranormal field. <laughs> where <laughs> at the end, you're like, you're not quite sure if they're actually okay. <laughs> it, it gets weird. It does after a while. Rabid Sage says. I love the mentioning of Foo Fighters. I read a lot about Wonder Weapons. The Nazis had some pretty crazy tech. They made these weird static electricity hoverboard things and way crazier stuff. Like, imagine what Stan combined with a mover's dolly and a helicopter. There's old World War II videos of an American riding it after the war. I believe it was called the Flying Donut. I know what they're talking about with this. Yeah. I imagine one of these at night from a distance would look a, uh, look a lot a lot like floating orbs from the ground, especially with a bright red light on it. Did you know that they had infrared night vision scopes all the way back to World War II? Far ahead they were. That's Star Wars stuff. I did not know about the infrared scopes, but we will be talking about some Nazi stuff today. <laughs> no, I 100% believe that. There's, you know, there, there, there's a lot of this. I think sometimes, you know, the, the study of the paranormal is, you know, the study of the unknown. You know, and then the more that you study, the more it's no longer paranormal because it's the known. And then we stop talking about it in the thing. So it's very quite possible that many times when people are seeing something, like you just don't exactly know what it is. Like the uh, the recently that they came out with the the uh, Navy coming out with like those videos of those flying uh, those f flying UFOs, and they're like, oh yeah, UFOs are real. You know, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, this is like real stuff. Like we all think that it could be UFOs, but they're just saying that it's unidentified aircraft. So, uh, Jay, the Phoenix says, what are your thoughts on the theory that some of our current technology being derived from these downed craft? Wouldn't that a go against the point of secrecy and b be a little out there? Like what are the odds that we understand any of their technology to begin with? If we did, it would no doubt be implemented in war. I think that, it's likely that if there are these down crafts, I personally believe so, that we are doing everything we can to reverse engineer. I think at the same time, there's that issue of when we make advancements by understanding this sort of reverse engineering, that once we use it publicly, uh, particularly against an enemy in an act of war, 
they're going to be trying to recover anything that we use that they shoot down to try to acknowledge it too. I heard it once said that pretty much was on between two peoples that have a technological disparity starts to really even out over five years of battle because of each side stealing tactics from the other. I don't know how, but I think I heard that on like the History Channel or something. Jay Camargo 2048 says, this would be even greater if you guys could show images related to the topic you guys are talking about. <laughs> I agree with you uh, 100%. Uh, a lot of the stuff that, especially for this episode, is just like uh, so that we can get our podcast up on YouTube. If you definitely are wanting to check out stuff with like images of what we're talking about as we're talking about it, I highly recommend you guys checking out uh, our case files, uh, some of our older work uh, when we did, uh, uh, oh gosh, what? What was our what was our segments when we were talking about the Midwest? Oh, uh, candlelight strolls. That's right. I can't say yeah. I highly check out. I highly recommend checking out all of that. There's a lot. Uh, you see a lot better visual elements. A lot of this is just so that we can put our podcast up on YouTube, so that way you guys can check it out. But I do like the idea of going, and I I would eventually like to be able to get to do that if we can do this full time. One hundred percent. If you guys want to see that, go sign up for our Patreon. If we get enough money, guys, we will do this full. Time I because both me and Vic want to do this full oh, yeah. time, one hundred percent. Okay, that is all of our comments for today. So now we can finally delve into the alcohol for for this episode. What are we What are we going to be partaking of today? Okay, Vic? I went through the kitchen to see what I had because I'm a little low right now, and I found us a bottle of uh, Oliver Sangria. Didn't you buy like five bottles of wine the last time we went to the liquor store. It does not take me long to get through five <laughs> bottles of wine. He drinks it right from the bottle. I do. And I, just straight from the, yeah. He drinks it by the bottle. Ask anyone really into wine. You never mm. let your wine breathe. You have to keep it suffocated. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oliver's, I really like Oliver's, a lot of their wine. I know a lot of people say it's low quality wine, but I actually think it's pretty good. And their sangria, I, it's hard to go bad with a sangria. <laughs> they just kind of taste good. You struggling with that top over there to get that off? No. You need, my, you need me to help you? You better not, oh you, you take that, and You do not pour that on our new equipment. You bring that around the table. Marcus is going to be drinking a glass, and I'll be shining off the rest of the bottle. That is fine. You bring that around the table, dude. Here you go. Here you go. He is so paranoid that I'm going to spill liquid on his new machinery. It took you 10 minutes to knock the mic off the table. I didn't have it set up right. <laughs> it took you 10 minutes. In my defense, it was more like 30, but point taken. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. For anybody who's really into wine, we are drinking our sangria warm. You're not supposed to drink it. So. That's okay. Sometimes it's, re- even if you do like do consider it, like don't you put that there. That is right by the, no. You move it, sir. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. okay guys, I am here for you guys. I am here to protect <laughs> the podcast from Vic's irresponsibility. I will be here as a guardian to this podcast. Okay, today we're going to be continuing on our topic of paranormal projects, and we're going to be talking about Nazi paranormal projects. And I was surprised to find out there were quite a few. Yeah, I, you know, so I remember when we were just like trying to come up with the idea of what we were going to talk about for this. The first thing that I wanted, uh, the first thing that I that I wanted to do was like paranormal cryptid projects that governments had done. I and told th- you that there wasn't hardly I, anything out well, there on it. I felt that I'm like, this is the one thing that I didn't know. I wanted to try to see if we can branch out there. And I discovered that like a lot of just governments don't see a whole lot of like, 
I think, importance on protecting animals or dealing with like dealing with cryptids. So, or they've managed to keep it more secretive than they have with other projects. I guess. I I guess. But so then we decided that you know what do you want to do and you know not the Nazi paranormal projects that that they did are some of definitely some of the the most interesting to check out. I mean, I mean, even before the podcast, I mean, there's like tons. Like if you look on Netflix, like there are tons of documentaries and and different stuff that exposes that cover like what the Nazis were looking into in World War Two because they were looking into some very dark stuff for prep for this i ended up reading hitler's monster and if you want a real dense real long book <laughs> on this sort of topic i do recommend it it's very well written but keep just keep in mind it is a big extremely fact dense book like i think i a lot of it ended up kind of going in one ear and out the other just because the information is that dense yeah like i oh god like like other than like American UFO government projects, I would say like the number two and I'm, and maybe even arguably, honestly, even maybe arguably number one would be some of the stuff that the Nazis were doing, like leading up into world war, like leading up into world war two are some of the, like the, the, some of the biggest projects that we've seen to date, uh, like with governments really like looking into paranormal stuff. One thing I want to start this off with is a lot of people talk about Nazi occultism, and I don't really think that that's the right word. Actually, often the Nazis came up in a confrontational way with occultism, not because they were anti-occult. It was really more, they, they were definitely into the mysticism side, but they weren't into the secrecy normally associated with occultism. So the, the word occultism I don't think fits it quite right, because they were they were all about the mysticism, but they wanted it to be entirely out in public. Okay. Well, and I think I'm going to start this podcast off by saying uh, Nazis are bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I felt terrible. like that. Sh- I felt like that should be the number one. But you can go with that as your number How one. How many times have I bad mouthed <laughs> Nazis on the podcast? You guys should already know I'm like, pretty anti-Nazi. Yeah, like your point is a good number two. I think my point is a good number one <laughs> that okay. I wanted to. Say. Disclaimer, we do not like Nazis. They are they terrible. They terrible things. They are horrible. They are horrible individuals and awful and just awful human beings. Um, you know, you know, Vic, I, I, I will say right off, right off the bat, I think when, when you're, when you're looking at this topic, it's not like, it's not like Project Sign, you know, it's not like a particular paranormal project. Like it is a huge umbrella like honestly this itself could have been its own month-long discussion it really could have i mean i had always heard rumors about them being involved with the paranormal and be involved with the cultic activities and things like that but i did not understand to what extent it was it's it was just so pervasive in so many things they did it was even a big uh, director in a lot of things that they were involved with but let's start getting into particulars. Where do you want to start? Because there are a lot of strange, paranormal, supernatural, mystic things involved with okay. the Nazis. Okay, okay. I, I got a good place that I want to start. So I was very surprised because I remember prior to this episode, and I mean even prior to us even doing the podcast before, 
I remember just binge watching so many documentaries on Netflix and YouTube videos where it was like almost commonplace for people to be like, oh yeah, Nazis were into the cult. Yeah, Nazis were into mysticism and they did and Hitler did a bunch of weird stuff. And and right in the beginning of my research, like new research for this topic, I discovered there's almost this weird modern pushback to that concept. Even some people saying, oh, there's not there's not as much evidence as you think that they were actually into the paranormal. Like that you, is you, not correct. I know, I know. I don't think it. I don't think it is either. But it was very. It, I was very surprised how many people and how many people in the academics were actually attempting to make this argument. I, I don't know if it's just the new popular thing people are trying to do because no matter how much I listened to their cases for it, like it just didn't seem to make any sense to me. I don't know why people, because I feel it's pretty well established. Like I can see people pulling about, pulling back on the Nazis weren't so much occulting and that's more for technical reasons with the word occult. They were definitely into mysticism and they were definitely into some very super, supernatural aspects. Okay, like I can make like like if you think like because uh, there were times in which even in Germany in which it became illegal to use certain particular uh, like uh, like occult practices like tarot card readings, uh, like psychic readings and things like that. And I mean, they rounded up numerous people uh, within Germany and put them into concentration camps because of it. Well, th- that's for a few reasons. Some people who were rounded up for occultic activity, that was more because it was secretive to the Nazi party, and they didn't want this stuff to be going on in a secret sort of quote-unquote anti-German way. They felt that it needs to be something that's done above board. And another part is some of the stuff they did not believe in, and they felt like that's charlatanism committed against the German people, which that's stuff they wouldn't stand for. Um, So... There's this weird back and forth where uh, there are points where they're rounding up people who are mystics and occultists, but then they're also executing a lot of occultic, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. or more mystic, I should be using that word. Oh, yeah. Um, like, tactics within themselves. Oh, 100%, 100%. I think for a, a lot of what was going on with that is, it's, it, you know, the, with, any, with any government, whenever they see a practice of something that's going on, like if they feel like something, somebody in some sort of way might use something against them, they're going to start trying to crack down and regulate it, and you know, and things like that. So yeah, you know, I I definitely agree because there were definitely people that um, the Nazis employed that were you know using like tarot card readings or psychic readings and then uh, astrology readings and things like that that they had employed by. Let's the, talk about dowsing. Oh yeah, yeah, they map were dowsing. Very into dowsing. Absol- like, absolutely. Uh, much of the German mystical concept and supernatural concept came from these Fukish beliefs. And Fukish, it's a complicated, multicultural, mystical system that relies on this belief in Aryan blood, these old traditions of uh, pagan Germany, and a lot of other stuff that comes from India and Tibet, and things that you don't even normally associate with, like, say, the Third Reich. They pulled in all of stuff from a lot of different directions. It all kind of coalesces into the Fukish. And also a lot of border science is involved in there too. Like I know the whole time you're sitting there talking to me, like 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 point blank saying like using the word Fukish, but that honestly God, that sounds like you're saying that it's rubbish when you say when you no, use that I, word. It's, it's I a don't. weird word. Fukish <laughs> is a weird word. I wasn't actually even 
aware of it before I started my studies into this. I knew the concepts individually. I didn't know that there was like kind of a blanket term for it. Yeah. Like I feel like if you were talking them down, you would still use the word fukish. <laughs> <laughs> like in and of itself, like <laughs> undermines it, its it, credibility. It kind of has the same sort of feel as the word poppycock. <laughs> but one of the things that fukish thinkers were very into was dowsing. Mm-hmm. And they use this in wartime in very interesting ways. Yeah, they did. They uh, they were using uh, map dowsing as a way of trying to find English battleships and English trade ships where they would have, like, these map walls and they would start using, like, map um, map dowsing to try to, like, narrow down, like, where the the English battleships were so that they, would, they could move their own ships either around or over there to intercept or move their U-boats to intercept them. They even had uh, table maps where dowsing mystics would literally hold their arm out all day, kind of just slowly drifting it over the map and waiting for, like, a tingle to let them know that that's where a ship was. Like, in my mind, I really feel that they're like the grandpa from, like, the Jackie Chan Adventure show where they're like, Huma Google Fides out, Huma Google Fides out, like, trying to find where these things, like, were. But they, they felt that they were getting success from this tech or technique. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even the, oh, God, I mean, map dowsing was even almost, was almost used during, uh, like, the Vietnam War, too. Like, that, I, the idea of map dowsing was pitched to the United States Marine Corps as a way of being able to find, like, Viet Cong booby traps. They just, in, they just decided not to go with it. This is part of Stargate, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well let me phrase that. I don't know if it was officially... Like part of Stargate, it was just an idea that people had looked into. The idea of map dowsing like, like has been something that like has existed as a thing like through just through time, and the Nazis were very prone to using it to, like to look for boats, which I thought was like really, really, really super interesting. It was neat. I wish we had more information like on specific times when it had worked out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought one of the things that was really, really fascinating, like during. Uh, like during like Hitler's rise to power with involving like astrology. Like he had like paid rolled astrologists. Yeah, in in Germany at the time, astrology wasn't just considered to be something in the realm of the mystic. It was at the point where it was considered within Germany to be a straight up science, like a reliable German science that you could use. And no, they didn't follow any of the normative precautions on it, but no, they considered it to be something that was extremely trustable. Absolutely. And there was recent stuff has come out that even talked about like a weird astrologer shadow war that went on between the Nazi government and the British government that like both of them had astrologers on paid staff in order to be able to try to uh, convince the German people that either a, you know, like they were going to live, you know, the wreck was going to last for a thousand years or that it was about to crumble and you need to give up now. Like the, the 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 English used a guy named Louis de Wolf uh, that that they had on their paid staff to write these like hokey astrological like this is the English side not the German side but the the English said that they would write these they would pay him to write these like uh, uh, horoscopes that would like say like oh you know you guys need to give up now you know you know that uh, you know Hitler's gonna lose and all these other sorts of things. And that they were paying him for years in order to be able to do these things. Apparently, they even chose many of their military exercises based on, like, astrology. Like, when would be good training days to get maximum effect off out of training your leader units? And when would be a good time to launch an invasion? Things like that. 
So they pretty seriously believed in this sort of stuff. No, absolutely. That was a that was a gosh, that was a a, a a weird thing that I saw that a lot of the Nazi party believed that you that that astrology was a was a thing that you could you that that they wanted to base a lot of their stuff around. And then you got Winston Churchill on the other side that's like, this is poppycock. But however, if the Germans are going to think that this is going to work, we might as well put somebody on paid staff in order to like do our own horoscopes too. I mean, it's not a, that's it, not no, a no, no. It was, it was a, it was a belief enough in the people at the time that they were doing it, that it shifted the, the strategy of the, of the UK. And it wasn't just like Nazi major officials who believed it. One no, no, reason no. that made yeah. it so effective was the common German citizen oh, believed very strongly oh, one, in this sort of 100%, 100%. Want to get into some of the weirder stuff? Right before we get into the weirder stuff, what I want to do is I think this would be a good time to take a quick commercial break so that way that we can give the that way we guys could give uh, you guys a little bit of it. on our next episode that's going to be coming out, we're going to be having the guys from the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. They're going to be coming on we're going to be talking about the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats, as well as Project Stargate and MK Ultra, and it's going to be an absolutely fantastic episode. These guys are are, are really awesome. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, so that way you guys can hear their uh, hear their pitch for their stuff, and you guys should check them out. But stick around because when we're coming back, we're talking about Nazi werewolves. Welcome to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Let us be your hosts and your guides through the world of the strange and the misunderstood. There is an entire world that parallels our own, and with your help, we can uncover the truth and break the walls of our dimension to expose the reality that lies on the fringe of our existence. Follow us into the worlds of science fiction, cryptozoology, the paranormal, extraterrestrial, fringe medicine, psychological anomalies, and everything in between. Our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now, strap in, hang tight, and open your eyes, ears, and minds as we dive into the infinite realm. Awesome, and welcome back. Definitely make sure that you guys check out the episode when we bring them on, guys. It is going to be a fantastic time. But all right, let's get into the reason why you guys stuck around. Nazi werewolves no all right I Vic, when i read about this it's okay so i think a lot of people know about like the nazi super weapons like you know like you know about like the giant gun that could shoot miles and miles away you know they're 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 researching rockets and things like that land kreutzer Na- nazi werewolves there's yes. really nazi now we, not only now do i have to worry about like just like just nazis in general is bad enough but there's nazi werewolves too it's interesting <laughs> Like, there's a bunch of skinhead werewolves that are, like, just going to be going on a rampage. Like, this is something that they actually, like, look into or had. Kind of. The belief in werewolves in that time period was more pervasive than I had initially thought. Like, the idea that werewolves, vampires, actual walking mummies and revenants was a much wider belief in Central Europe at that time period than I had originally thought. Because you don't normally think about, associate that sort of thinking with that time period, but it was there. It was in the mind of the Central Europeans. Now, I, but I don't remember this exactly being in any of Hitler's speeches. Of like, and we will defend the motherland with the German werewolf. Like, I don't remember that being as part of his, like, out loud plan and future for Germany, though. It was not something that he was preaching about in the street. It was part of more of a Eastern defense protocol. Like, because he's mainly using it uh, to defend against the 
but they had some very specific views on werewolves. They believed Aryan werewolves, and big surprise, Hitler thought Aryans had better werewolves too, were different than the werewolves that everyone else had. Although he did believe that other had werewolves. You see, he thought that the Swainians, people of Swainian descent, had werewolves, but they were these out-of-control, heathenistic, evil, ravaging monsters that'll kill you. But no, the pure Aryan werewolves, he believed, were special defenders of the Aryan land and soul, uncorruptible, and fueled by pure Aryan light. I, at this point, did not believe that Hitler could take his racism to, a, like, just another level like a new, like not only like he's just gonna be like another culture of werewolves are inferior to ours. Yes, yes, he did, and he also okay. How do you just lower the bar as a human being even more than Hitler? And he just found a way from beyond the oh, freaking grave. If you want to take it to a worse place, no kidding you. This was a Nazi belief, and it gets real Twilight and real racist here. So just a heads up, guys, not my opinions or thoughts. <laughs> this is just coming from the Third Reich here. I believe all werewolves are equally the same <laughs> in all cultures. I respect them all. They also believed that the Jewish people had vampires, and they were concerned about these vampires. And the myth of um, there being an association with blood-drinking Jewish folks, it goes back a long ways. Thousands of years. The blood libel is, a, is a, just a a bizarre, just racist thing that people have been using against the people, those people for like thousands of years. It's crazy. But Hitler takes it to a new level. He basically says that they're out there, they're here for specifically Aryan blood, and that this is a threat that we have to combat. And that's one of the things that he was looking at with his werewolf program, is that being the Aryan answer to these vampires. So he goes full Twilight on this. And decides that he's going to get Aryan werewolves to the Russians and the vampires. Okay, um, it's time for me to bring up this argument right now. At at, at the same time, too, the the, the Nazis were do, were doing a lot of a particular substance known as uh, the methamphetamine. Uh, they they were doing a lot of meth. Like you don't think maybe at a certain point the stuff that he's ranting and raving about, like on this, might have had something to do, like with the gratuitous amounts of meth he Likely, was doing. Likely, some of the stuff that he was talking about was amplified by the rampant drug use. But this is a belief that did preexisted and was already common in like the German folk traditions, and actually even in the German minds, part of their zeitgeist. That supernatural creatures, to an extent, mm-hmm. were things that were actually out there still. Well, we're still in this pseudo medieval mindset in a way. Well, I mean, if you think about like modern day conversations about ghosts, like you know, the average person, if you ask them in a room by themselves, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I, I believe in ghosts, or maybe I don't believe in ghosts, but I've seen, but I've had this weird experience with one. You know that they say that well, a lot of people will actually like say in private they believe in ghosts. But it's not like we're going to be about this like at massive rallies and gatherings and campaign. I mean, unless you go to a con, I guess. But probably pretty similar to how the German people <laughs> viewed werewolves, vampires, specifically mummies came up. Um, golems, they believed that the Allies were working with Hebrew scholars to golems at one point. But they felt that the way that they have their own supernatural soldiers to fight supernatural soldiers was the werewolf. But they actually believed that legit German soldiers 
could turn into crime, like full werewolves. Okay, this one took me some digging to answer because I found a lot of references to these werewolf programs, that this was a thing, that there were these special werewolf defenders. Now, getting into exactly what it meant to the Nazis of that time period took me some digging, but I think I've unraveled the situation. Um, they did that people who were of pure enough Aryan blood with the right sort of mystical applications could fully transform into a half-wolf, half-man monstrosity to wreck the Soviet Union. But that's not what they believed that most of their soldiers were ready for. The people who were associated with this were really, they believed more that these Aryans had this special mystical wolf spirit that was attached to them and that they could call on that wolf spirit and it wouldn't be a physical transformation but kind of a mystically induced, more noble berserker sort of thing. That they could call in this wolf spirit to turn them into a greater than normal human. That it wouldn't be like they actually transform their head, turns into a wolf's head, and they grow large claws. But they could call on this wolf spirit to enhance them in combat. And that they could then use that to fight off supernatural beings. Because although it wasn't a physical transformation, they did believe at that point this human was a supernatural entity. Why did I not hear about this in my high school history class? Let's just make everything boring. Okay, There's let me so that. many cool parts Sorry, of history. Let me that. About. Why did I not hear about this in my college history class? Because college professors don't like to talk about werewolves. <laughs> I, I I feel like this should, like if if a like I th- I feel like now we genuinely want to vilify which we should uh Nazi like Nazis and how much of ter- terrible terrible people that they are. I feel like, honestly, like, I feel like people should know that, like, Hitler's plan was unleashing massive werewolves upon unsuspecting groups of people. It, okay, why this isn't brought up more, I think part of it is a lot of the Fukish influences on the Nazis are underlooked. Like, I remember my high school history teacher talking about, like, oh, certainly they would have turned on the Japanese because they were non-Aryans after, if they had won the war. But that's actually not what their ideology was. They had actually rationalized that Japanese people were also Aryans and that they could coexist with them. They, that wouldn't like co- contradict anything within their view. And that part was never taught either. But actually, the, even in the final parts of the war, many Nazis felt that the werewolves were still the last line. That even after the Third Reich had fallen that these werewolf soldiers were now lying in wait and at some point would transform and uprise and restore the Third Reich. You're you're talking, you were talking about like the end of the war, something that like, I think even like a lot of the, the research that we got, like once like the Soviet Union and the United States was like really closing in on Germany or they knew that they were getting close. So much of their research on so many different things was being destroyed by the Nazis so that it wouldn't get figured out. And I, I honest to God, really, with what we know, with what on on just their fellow man, like on their fellow man, and how awful those things were, I, I can't, I can't even imagine some of the stuff that like maybe that they experimented upon upon their own people, like these own, like these own werewolves, like what their plan was, like for them, or what they tried to do, maybe even to try to get them to be able to you know, fully, like, you know, go straight werewolf on on everybody. I didn't find a whole lot of, like, the scientific experiment, the mystical scientific. It's hard to say scientific when it comes to the Nazis because they utilize border science so much 
it's stuff that we wouldn't necessarily recognize as science, but they would call it science. So their quote unquote scientific experimentation, I didn't find very much of it involved with the werewolves. They just kind of accepted that this was part of the more mystical German soul mm-hmm. and that they didn't really need to tinker around with it. Now, like perhaps they did, and it's just something that did not, that information did not make it to it. It might have been destroyed. But it doesn't seem like there was a lot of that. They just kind of took it as, okay, you guys are already of this wolf spirit. You guys can go out, and you guys are going to fight in this area. And if the Third Reich collapses, you guys are going to go into hiding. And then when the time comes, go into uh, your berserk and go ahead and make this attack. There was even a rumor of a... um, I'm trying to recall what mountain it was, but there was even a rumor that there was a special werewolf stronghold in one of the German mountains where... Like, they were to fall back to if everything would go bad and then unleash their fury from that fortress. Could you imagine being an American soldier being told that you got to go get that that fort? Like, all right, son, I need you to go get that fort. I'm like, not doing it, sir. There's werewolves in there. I'm like, I ain't going in there. German werewolves up in there. They're going to tear me apart. Like, I can't even imagine, like, being tasked with trying to, like, get them out. Like, like, that would just be awful. There's even references to Hitler believing he had this special wolf oversoul. Like this Ur German oversoul of a wolf that he could call on to give him fury and power, and he could use that to conduct like, like when he's working with his dogs, he could use it to cow his dogs and give him control over them, and that he could use it to like instill fury in his werewolf soldiers. It's a very peculiar sort of thing, but he does talk about how even his name harkens back to like this Ur wolf soul. Like I have a. I know that he says that the dude is only five, nine and like, I think like 140 pounds. No, sorry. Yeah. 100, 160 pounds. He is not a big dude. <laughs> I mean, okay. Let me put it this way. If someone that size was telling you this statement, I would probably assume it's the meth. Yeah, I would, this I would too. The meth like, talking, I think I that might've been some of the meth talking of them. Like, I think I have this German over wolf soul. I'm like, okay. You know, because, like, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, like right up towards the end of the war, Heinrich Himmler, who was super, I would say, argue more into the occult than, than at least truly, I truly believing at it from an earlier age longer than Adolf Hitler was. Um, Like, right before that, the end. That's true. Because yeah. most of the things seem to imply yeah. that Adolf didn't really get into, like, the occult, or, sorry, mysticism until, like, he was an adult. Yeah. Like, Right up at the end of the war, like Heinrich Himmler reaches out to the Allies, trying to surrender. And can you, like this is Heinrich, the 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 architect of the Holocaust, huge into the occult, having some weird way out there. He's, and this guy thought that Hitler's cheese had slid off the cracker. Like, can you imagine some of the stuff that Hitler must have been saying, like in the privacy? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Probably some pretty crazy stuff involving a er werewolf soul. <laughs> Inside of him. I mean, I'm I'm not going to defend in like Hitler's viewpoints. The guy was a terrible person. Now, it does seem that some of the like the, the werewolves never had a big notable effect on the battlefield. They seem to have performed mainly about like what you would expect from a standard soldier. Now they were up against some serious fighting, but there, there's nothing that I can look at to imply that these people were more effective in combat than any other soldier. Now there are some of these mystical aspects the third the Third Reich did experiment with that did look like they had some potential to them. Mm-hmm. Things like the map dowsing and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. 
And oh, one more thing. I know we're getting tight on time, but just to get you into Hitler's mindset on some of this stuff and how even in a mystical sense, he was a very unscientific thinker. Are you familiar with the experiments of reanimating bodies? Oh, yeah, the Nazi zombie experiments? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Terrible human. Terrible. He, he actually stepped in to change the route they're going with it in a very odd direction. I know this is one of those things that kind of upset some of his officers because of the odd direction they had to now experiment with. Because they're connecting reanimation with the idea of bringing someone out of a death from freezing. And they were trying to use like heaters and stuff to warm them up to see how often they could actually reanimate someone. And could they use that technique to fully reanimate corpses so they had never-ending soldiers. Well, Hitler looked at the project and went, of course this isn't working to the degree that you want. It's not electronic warmth that that will call a German soul back to its body. It's animal warmth. You have to have women warm up these bodies for these experiments. And they stopped using things like heaters to rewarm the bodies and would actually get people to snuggle up with the frozen-to-death person. Like, okay, first, yes, this, this whole thing's terrible. But think about being the person who's trying to examine this from a scientific way and being told the method you have to use now is having people snuggle up with the frozen bodies. God, he's a terrible person. Terrible person. I don't think he could, I don't know if I could be threatened or paid enough money in order to snuggle with a zombie. I don't think that's going to happen. But at the same time, that's kind of a fairly incompetent call because it makes your ability even even taking out all the horrificness involved with it. It's also just straight a ineffective means of continuing experiment. At the same, yeah. Again, dude, he he's a meth addict and he's riddled with syphilis. Okay. Yeah, he's. I don't think he's necessarily the most stable person, probably to be to be doing some of these things. But like, so it, it, sometimes it makes me wonder, like, how much of it is it just driven by that, for, or they're just their belief, or at the end of the day, is it just because, like, what you know, with syphilis and and drugs, what they do is, you know, if they just increase your stress levels to the point where you just start. I don't know, just end up like being pushed to these extreme limits. That's why you're seeing some of these, some of these extreme uh, uh, egregious acts in order to try to to find some sort of semblance of power. I don't know. Another thing to recognize is in that time period, part of the German national identity was a reliance of instinct over intellect. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big part on how they came to some of these very odd ideas. Like one of them, ones that we didn't even get to in this episode, the world ice theory deep down makes very, very little sense, but was accepted as being scientific fact because it has this fookish backing and they relied more on instinct over intellect. Mm. I, the more that I looked into these guys' experiments, I, I, I often wonder like if how much of it is, is it that they themselves truly believed these things or how much that they saw that these were avenues that they could control a populace of people to do the things that they needed them to do. You know, because if you look at like what the German people were going through, through like World War One and the after in the aftermath of like the Treaty of Versailles, like what happened to the German people who truly believed that their empire was massively crippled from it. They were horribly shamed on a global scale. They'd given up so much and they and 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 there was a lot of frustration and and 
and anger and shame that was going on in the, through the, through their country that, you know, was where the Nazis exploiting the, the German people's beliefs as a means of being able to motivate them to do some of the things that, that, that they did during world war two. It does seem that at least some of the people involved with the third Reich were legitimate, true believers in this Fukish worldview. Not all of them, some of them thought it was kind of really silly. And there were even points right. where Hitler would double back on himself and talk about these Fukish wanderers and right. how they t- have nonsense. He still believed in part of it. But he kind of bounced between being a true believer and then being somewhat skeptical of what they said. But right. it was a very erratic sort of bounce. But like if you Probably look, the meth. But like if you look at, say, like, go back to the, the, the werewolf, uh, the werewolves I'm, that we were talking about. Get into it. Uh, okay. But going back to it. How did you? I always called it the Treaty of Versailles. What did you Versailles, call it? Versailles, yeah, Treaty of Versailles. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought I might have been mispronouncing. No, I think it. I just pronounced the name. This okay. Wine's good to me. Much of the German national identity was crushed after World War One. This yes. was a group of people struggling to figure out who they were in the face of dramatic defeat and oppression. I think that that reinforced the German identity of we need to go back to this Fukish sort of belief, which said. Germans were part of this ancient culture that stemmed from Atlantis that made them truly deep down special. And I think that helped reinforce a supernatural worldview that then either A, people exploited because it was easily exploitable, or B, they believed it themselves. Exactly which one's the truth of the matter? Hard to say. I actually think that many of them in the Third Reich were true believers of this very supernatural worldview. And I think in some ways, they some of their experiments seem to have worked. Some of them didn't. But it, it makes me very curious. Because one of the questions that I have is, if they were using these, this very odd Fukish sort of science that seems to be based off of nothing we would consider scientific today, at the same time, they made some pretty big strides in science at the time period, which mm-hmm. you would assume would not happen if they were just using nonsense. I don't. Th- I don't think necessarily it was just nonsense, but like, you know, like. But if you look at like say like the average soldier that was in the German military at the time, you look at somebody like in their between the ages of twenty and thirty, you have a very disenfranchised, you know, German youth that you know grew up in the aftermath of of World War One, and then you are being and you're one of these guys, and then you're being told that oh. There's this great inner power within you as being this this great werewolf that could come out of that could come out of you, and you could do these great things, like what that could do to it, like what that would inspire a soldier to do. Now, on top of that, you add on top of like a military leader who could get somebody to do that. You almost become like kind of drunk with power. Like you probably want to believe these sorts of things. Let me throw something out to reinforce that idea a little more. Part of the Fukish belief that Hitler actually did preach about in his speeches is this idea that when the German soul dies, it doesn't go to heaven or hell. It stays with the German people, that it pours back into it. And you're, you're, your friends aren't dead. They mm. just march with you unseen now. That no German soldier in either war has died. They're still part of the German oversoul marching with you. And yes, that, statements like that would speak strongly to people in that demographic, people right. who are struggling to find an identity and find an answer to why has this all happened? I, and a lot of people say Hitler really, really could tap into 
who the Germans were at that moment, that he could identify with them in ways other speakers couldn't. It wasn't that he was necessarily this natural, super charismatic person, which he was very charismatic, but his true power came from being able to identify so purely with the German people and how they're feeling at that time. And that's what gave him such powers of influence. And he attributed to a cult. Like there's, we're still just scraping the surface of the cults up in the Third Reich. I think we're going to have to continue it into our pillow talk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because like, uh, we haven't even got to the we- like, Hitler's, like super weapons. Yeah, or like the magic, we- the magic yeah. weapons that, 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 that the Nazis were trying to get he, their he hands on. He went on a quest for magic lightning, and we haven't even talked about oh it. Oh, my gosh. Like, again, but it's, a, it's an overall arching umbrella. I think that it truthfully, honestly impacts more of the modern uh, occult than I think that people truly would want to admit. But you know, so I, I, I think it's a, it's a very, it's a very interesting thing for people to, look at, especially if you want to try to like compare modern compare like like the the nineteen fifties to the nineteen seventies for like the United States and the Soviet Union's occult research that they got into. I think we have the same closing thoughts though. Oh, uh, yeah. Nazis suck. Nazis suck. Yeah, our final thoughts on this is summed up in Nazis suck. They're terrible people. <laughs> like, I, I just, I think that the, that's our final thoughts on that. So, um, if you guys like this episode, don't forget to like, uh, subscribe if you're listening on YouTube, and hit the notification bell, because uh, that way you can stay up to date whenever we put out another topic. Uh, let us know what you guys think about the new audio sound up, uh, setup. Did we sound good? Did we sound better? Um, let us know what you guys think about that. If you guys are listening to this on any sort of platform and can leave a review, please leave us a review. Comment below uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, that's another great way. We love to read your guys' comments. Good, bad, and ugly. We're going to read them. Um, again, thank you so much for checking out this this episode. Uh, we really appreciate all the support that you guys give us. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So, how are you doing on your glass of wine? Uh, I finished my glass of wine. It was very good, so I'm going to start getting into this chair. Uh, oh, it's just Coke Zero. That's fine. I have almost finished the rest of the bottle of that sangria. I'm down to kind of the dregs, <laughs> so I'm ready to keep going. It was awesome. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the pillow talk segment of the podcast. So if you want to check out the rest of this podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. You guys get the rest of the podcast, uh, as well as access to exclusive videos that we put up just on our Patreon alone, just for them. Uh, And if you sign up for $2 a month, you actually get to vote on our uh, poll for the theme of our month of what it's going to be. I think I'm pulling it up now. What I think, what I'm trying to see, what like what our current poll is standing at. What's the next for the month of for the month of May? All right. Ooh. Okay. So right now it's in a heated uh, race between Nephilim and Giants versus Time and Space Anomalies. Those are both good ones. Also very awesome. Is it tied? Uh, no. Nephilim and Giants is up to five, and Time and Space uh, Anomalies is up to three. So. If you want to uh, let your voice be heard, go over to our Patreon and sign up for $2 a month or more, and you guys can vote on what we're going to be talking about all next month. Either way, you guys are going to have a good time either way, so it's going to be fun anyway. Um, all right. Let's keep going. the conversation going on about the Nazi occult projects. Okay. There's something here I was wanting to talk about. Yeah. Hitler was heavily influenced by the Nieben- Nieben- Lugen League, which I probably mispronounced somewhat there. You're drunk. 
<laughs> Shut up. <laughs> as well as the poetic in prose Edda. Now, I haven't personally read the Nibelugan League, but I have read both the prose and the poetic Edda. You made that word up. Which one? Newman Lugan That sounds made okay. up, man. Neiman, the Neiman Lugan League is a basically a modern reimagining of much of ancient Norse, and it involved this battle between like great Aryan heroes and these this dwarfish race. You can kind of see how Hitler might have latched onto it with some of his other views. <laughs> but I haven't actually personally read that one. But like I said, I know the prose and poetic Edda fairly well. And there's a particular thing that's a trend between them that he really latched onto. And that's the idea that these Norse gods had Thank you.